get right to it. We are continuing our series that we started last week called Love, Know, Trust, and Follow. All right, if you uh, were here last week, you know that this is based off of our mission statement, which is building lives that matter by teaching people to love, know, trust, and follow Jesus. It's very simple. Everything we do here at Cross Life Church is run through this filter. We want to make sure that everybody that comes through our church loves Jesus, knows Jesus, trusts Jesus, and ultimately follows Jesus. If we accomplish those four things before you graduate high school, man, we are hitting our marks, all right? And that is what we run everything through. And as a student ministry, everything I do, everything we plan, everything we organize is because we're trying to help you love, know, trust, and follow Jesus with your life. Um, and so last week we, we got into a little bit, we talked about the idea of love and, and what it means to love God and love people. And we looked at Deuteronomy um, and, and one of the older Old Testament passages that says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit at your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign in your hand. They shall be frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. All that to say, love God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind and keep it at the forefront of your mind and do everything you possibly can to, to lock in on that. We talked about how we need to love God and we need to set the culture. And as a church, we want to be people that are setting a culture of loving God. Like when we tell people we love God and we love him with all our heart, our soul, and our mind, we want that to be the norm inside of this room. We want the culture of this room to be filled with people that love God with all their heart, their soul, and their mind. And they also, as Jesus said, the second commandment is just as strong uh, it's just like it, it is to love your neighbor as yourself. So we're to love God, love people. We want that culture here, and we want to set that culture. And we talked real quick last week, how do we set that culture? First off, we talk about the culture, right? In Deuteronomy, it talks about that where he says, hey, you know, tell, tell your children, teach them these things. Like, let people know that you love God and, and tell them that they're supposed to love God as well if they're followers of Christ. Um, make it part of your vernacular. Make it part of your day-to-day. -day. But then also keep the culture on your mind. If you want to set a culture, you keep it in, in the forefront of your mind. This culture of love, know, trust, and follow, as a church staff, we talk about this all the time. It is on every, like every single one of us has it posted in our office, uh, the mission statement. We see it everywhere. If you look on that wall, you could follow it, teaching people to love Jesus, teaching people to know Jesus. And all the way down, we have it plastered everywhere we go because we want this to be our culture. And if you want to set a culture and be a part of a culture that loves God and loves people well, you got to be thinking about it. how can I do this better everywhere I go. And that was our challenge last week, that we would leave this place and we would love God and love people well wherever we go. Most of us are involved in school. Most of us go to school every day. And I ask you this question. You don't have to answer out loud, but think about yourself and the, the interactions that you had over the last seven days between the last time you were here and today. Did you love God well? And did you love people well? Did you love God the way that you're supposed to? And then have you loved people well because of your love for God? I hope so. And like I said, so I, my hope and prayer that that culture will continue to fill this place up and we will live differently, we'll live by a different standard and people will feel welcome and loved and they walk through the doors here. Second word in our series is no. We, we, this idea of to know God and to know Jesus, like there's a difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone. 
any big football fans here? I love football. Football is like my favorite thing. I played football my entire life um, until I blew out my knee my senior year and college football was taken away from me. Um, but man, God worked it all out because I probably wouldn't have become a youth pastor, probably wouldn't have met my wife, probably wouldn't be here, all those things. But God had a plan. He had to figure it out. But I love football. I love to watch football. Like this week or last week was the last week of no football for a long time. And I am so excited. College football officially kicked off this week. NFL kicks off like in two weeks. Uh, the, it's just Everywhere you turn, there's football. And you can, like, I, I'm a guy that I like to follow players. I'm a 49ers fan in the NFL. So, like, um, yeah, you can boo me all you want. We've been to the NFC Championship. Uh, you're probably all Cowboy fans. <laughs> How'd that go in the playoffs? All right, but um, anyway, we, I just want, all that to say is, like, I get to know about players. Like, I study them. I get to know who they are. Our quarterback is a guy named Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, last one picked in the draft. Like, all these things. Like, and he's got a great story. And, the, and here's the thing. Like, the more I read about him, the more I research him, he's a great Christian guy who's outspoken about his faith. And it just makes you want to cheer for him even more. But, like, I know about him. But I have never met Brock Purdy. I've never spent any time in the room with him. But I know about him. I know he played college ball at Iowa State. I know that he, he's got a gunslinger for an arm. He's calm, cool, and collected. He never panics. All these things. He's undefeated as a starter in regular season play. All these things that go on. Like, I know about him, but I don't know him. And I think in our lives, sometimes we, we, we try to get into God's word as much as possible and we memorize as much scripture as we can. We try to learn about the characteristics of God and we try to learn about, about the, the, the things in the Bible that talk about it, which are all important things. It's important that we know these things, but it, it's, it's more important that we know God than knowing about God. Because here's the thing, guys. There's some really smart atheists out there that know all about God. They've, what are you guys doing? <laughs> You're wrestling up here. All right. Um, we, we, we've, got, uh, we, we've got like some really, really smart atheists that are, are anti-God in every way, shape, or form, but they know the Bible inside out probably better than you and I. They know about God, but they don't truly know God. To know someone is different. To truly know someone is to have a relationship with them. My wife is in the back there. Like, I know my wife. We've been together, married for over 17 and a half years. We've been dating longer than that. And like, we're, we've been, we've spent half of our lives together. 20 years we've been together. We both turned 40 this past year. Like, half of our lives have been spent together. We, we know each other. Like, we know each other inside. I could tell when she's in a, in a mood. I could tell when I need to feed her because she's getting hangry. Like, all those things. Like, she understands when, I'm, when I need a break and I need to walk away. And, like, she understands. We know each other because we have a relationship with each other. I have a relationship with my kids. I can tell when something's off. And they can tell when something's off with me because we have that relationship. And when it comes to a relationship with Jesus and knowing Jesus, it's, all, it's so much more than just knowing about him and his teachings, but having a, a personal relationship with him. Paul talks about this. Uh, Adam, earlier during the worship set, read a passage from Philippians. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Philippians. That's where we're going to be most of the day today. We're not going to really stray off. But in this letter uh, that, that Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, he, he, he is challenging them. He, he's, he's warning them. He's saying, hey, listen, um, 
it's so important that you know who God is. It's so important that you know the true God so that the, the falsehoods that are out there, the false teachers, those that are trying to stray you away, you'll be able to tell the difference. Because the more you know God and the, more you, the, more, the closer your relationship with, with him is, the better off you'll be. And as we, as we get into this, I want to read to you just, a, a, it's going to be a lot of scripture, I'm going to be honest with you, but I promise I'm going to try and be as fast and concise as possible without skipping the important stuff, all right? Here we go. Philippians chapter number three, starting in verse number two. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But then he flips it in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness on my own that comes, out, comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain resurrection from the dead. Can I pray for us? God, as we look at this passage, as we as we apply it to our lives, as we, as we figure out what it means to know you and, and how it's, why it's so important to know you personally, God, I pray that you would open up our ears, open up our hearts, Lord, to the message that you have for us. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here in this passage, Paul is giving warning to the church about a group of false teachers called Judaizers. All right, these, these are people that are trying to like steer the early church away. Like the true followers of Jesus, they're trying to like give them misinformation and, and, and teach them false teachings and stray them away from the true gospel. But, but here Peter, or excuse me, yeah, Paul here, as he's writing this, he's, he's giving some characteristics of what a, someone who knows Jesus is all about. Like, if you know Jesus, you will have these specific things in your life. The first is this, characteristic, first characteristic of someone who knows Jesus is we worship by the Spirit. We worship by the Spirit, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Here's the thing. To, be, to know Jesus, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If, the moment you are saved, the moment you give your life to Christ, God promises, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will fill you and be with you and guide you and lead you and help you. He's your helper. He's your guide. Everywhere you go, you have the Holy Spirit with you. And we worship by the Spirit of God. We don't worship on our own abilities. We don't worship based off of how good we are. We worship based on how good God is. There's nothing that we can do to make him better. We simply worship by the Spirit of God. Does the Spirit of God dwell within you? We worship 
through serving, we worship through, through singing, we worship through, through honoring God with our, speak, with our speech, with our, with, with our words, with the way that we live our lives. Are you worshiping by the Spirit? Are you letting the Spirit guide you and lead you in everything that you do? Not just when you come to church, but everywhere you go? We worship by the Spirit. Number two, and I love this part, we deflect towards Jesus. We deflect towards Jesus. It says this in Philippians 3, 3, um, where it's right after it says, we worship by the Spirit of God. It says, and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We, not only do we worship by the Spirit of God, but we glory in Christ Jesus. We, we give God all the glory. We give him the praise. We don't take anything upon ourselves. We, we, everything that's good in our lives, it's because Jesus has allowed it. And we give him the praise. We give him the glory for it. When I was in Alaska, I was involved in a church up there, and, and I was serving up there. And we started an event uh, years ago, 2007, called Fusion Alaska. It was this big, like, statewide youth conference that we started doing. We brought bands up and all that. And it was a lot of work, not going to lie. Like, I slept very little that week. Uh, a lot of stress, a lot of money, lots of zeros at the end of the checks that I was writing for people, like bands coming up and all that. It was just really stressful, but a super success. We had hundreds of students from all over the state of Alaska coming in for it. It was an amazing thing, great time. Um, and it was like, it was real easy for me to try and take the credit because I did a majority of the work. I'm actually being honest. Like, it was like, my wife would tell you, like, I was making airport runs at four in the morning to pick people up and drop them off. Like, I'm hosting, I'm emceeing, I'm doing everything. I'm like spinning plates, like just running around trying to keep things going, right? And I'll never forget, it was like the third or fourth year that we did it. And like, it was like our biggest year yet at that point. Things are going super well. We got kids getting saved left and right. And the speaker that year was a guy named Eric Samuel Tim, a good friend of mine. And, and he comes up to me and he says, man, I want to tell you something, but I want you to take it the right way. I was like, man, what, what's that? And and Eric just looked at me and he goes, be careful. Because this thing's a success, yes. But it's going to be real easy for you to take the credit. He goes, you're not doing anything here. God's doing it all. And it was in that moment where I was, it, it kind of caught me and I was like, man, he's right. Like, yeah, I'm working hard. I'm like, I'm doing it all. But like, it's all because God's allowing me to. And God, Jesus is the one bringing people. Jesus is the one opening the doors. Jesus is the one saving people. I have nothing to do with that. I'm just organizing events. And it was in that moment that anytime someone would come up to me and say, hey, great job with that. I'd be like, man, thank you so much. Like, it's been a lot of work, but man, God is working. And I would deflect towards Jesus every time. And that's become my norm now. Like, I try not to take credit for things that I, that that God's accomplishing through me. I give God that credit. I try to give him the credit as much as possible. And it's important. It's an important characteristic that we deflect towards Jesus. We boast in him and him alone, not anything. And the Christian life should be a Christ-exalting life. Let's be known as a church who boasts on Jesus. The third characteristic here that's found in um, the last part of verse 3 is this. It says, we don't put our confidence in ourselves. It, it says here in three through, uh, verse 3 through 6, 
For we are the circumcision, worshiped by the Spirit, sound familiar, and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. And then Paul goes on and lists a whole bunch of reasons why he should be able to put confidence in his flesh. Because if you don't know the backstory of Paul, Paul was like a, a like really solid Jewish leader and like a scholar and like really sought after and like he's like he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? And he, and he goes on and he says, listen, if there's anything, anyone who could put pride in themselves and boast in themselves and put confidence in their accomplishments, it should be him. But he says that, um, excuse me, but he goes through these things and he lists them all out, but he's ultimately saying, all that doesn't matter. Because... It's not about us. It's not about what we can accomplish. Um, it's not a ritual. It's not your ethnicity. It's not your family background. It's not traditions. It's not rule keeping. It's not your zeal or your sincerity of your belief and not your obedience to the law. It's your surrender to God and your confidence in him and him alone, not in your own abilities. These three markers that we just talked about are, are so important, um, and they're all things that someone who knows Jesus will carry. But I, the important question that we got to ask and answer tonight is this, how do we get there? How do we know Jesus? How do we, how do we know who Jesus is? And luckily, Paul tells us. Paul gets into it a little bit here, um, and he says in, let's see, we're going to go starting in verse 7. Through 11. But whatever I gain, remember, he had just listed all the things that he was good at and the reason that he should have confidence in himself. Then he follows it up with this in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. There's nothing more important than knowing Christ Jesus in life. It is the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Not the following the law, not doing X, Y, and Z, but simply having faith in Jesus gives you that righteousness. The righteousness that from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I am attain the resurrection from the dead. This verse here, verse number eight, keep that up there on the screen here real fast. I love, um, where is it? Somewhere in here. There you go, indeed. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Guys, that word rubbish there, um, if you go back like to your King, if you have like your, your uh, U version, go back to the King James version for this verse and this verse alone. Because it, it, instead of the word rubbish, the translator used the word dung. <laughs> like... He's trying to make a point here, right? Everything else we do on our own accord is as, is as valuable as a pile of poop. Like a steaming hot pile compared to God's goodness. We count it all as rubbish. It's worthless. It's simply refuse. And, and it, it's, it's disgusting trash compared to knowing Christ. How do we know Jesus? 
how do we, how do we get there? Well, it's real simple. In, in the first one is, is a, a very churchy word, and I know Rick's ears are going to perk up the moment I start talking about these. Um, he does every time I talk about these because he loves, he loves this phrase. And if you've been in Rick's class, you probably have these memorized as well. The first is this, it's justification. How do we know Christ? How do we know Jesus? Justification. Justification is a very churchy word, but real quickly, I just want to look at verse number 9. Um, it says this, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. The only way that you can be forgiven of your sins, the only way that you can go from rubbish to glorification and to like being forgiven and having a righteousness in your life is through Jesus, being justified through faith by Jesus Christ. You can't do it on your own. You can't be good enough. It, you can't check all the boxes. It doesn't work that way. God can only bring righteousness in your life through faith in Jesus Christ. You become justified. A justification. Some define justification as just as I have never sinned. But I'll add this, that it says it, it just as if I've always obeyed. Not that you've never sinned, but you've always pursued Jesus. Your sins at that point are washed away. You're forgiven. They're, they're spread out as far as the east is from the west. You're justified. You're forgiven. And justification is received by faith. Salvation doesn't depend on your record, your rank, your ethnicity, your religious attendance, your good deeds and such. It depends on faith alone in Christ's perfect work. You want to know Jesus? Allow him to justify. Allow him to make you righteous through the forgiveness of your sins, through the blood that was shed on the cross by Jesus Christ. Number two. Drew, you want to take a stab at the second word? Sanctification. Well done. Good job. He remembered. He, Rick got up here. He was about to walk up here like, and beat you up because you didn't remember. But sanctification, right? Sanctification is, is another one of those churchy words, but it, it's very simply um, the idea of, of becoming more like him, becoming more like Christ in your life. It, it's a, a cleansing, if you would, and a correction of your behavior, a correction of the things that you do in your life. Instead of like pleasing the world, now you're pleasing God. And it says this in verse number 10, that I might I know him and the power of his resurrection and share his and may share his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. We're to become like Christ. Sacrificial. Doesn't mean you're gonna get crucified. Doesn't mean like you gotta you've gotta die on a cross in order to be like sanctified or to be to be um, to have sanctification in your life. No, I don't don't hear that. Like but what I do need you to hear is this, that you need to be willing to be like Christ and be willing to sacrifice. You need to be willing to give up your own desires for the desires of others. You need to be willing to give up your own desires so that you can serve God. To be sanctified is to move towards Christ. Um, our, our love for Christ should drive our desire to know him more. Um, we, we're left here so that we can know Christ, so that we can, we can pursue him in everything that we do. If you want to know Christ more than anything in life, it's through suffering for him that you'll know him better. Then you won't mind suffering. It will be worth it. You'll actually find joy in it. 
to suffer for Christ. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're going to lose some friends. It happens. But when we truly live for God, when we decide, hey, I, I want to know Christ and I want to allow him to, to start to change me and form me into who he wants me to be and I've been forgiven and I, and I change the way that I live, I change the way that I interact, I change the verbs or the verbiage that I use and, and the vernacular that comes out of my mouth and all these things start to shift and start to change. Guys, listen, people are going to probably turn their backs on you. I'm just giving you a warning. You will lose friends. Happened to me. My senior year of high school when, I, when God finally got my attention for good. I lost a lot of friends. Lost a lot of, a lot of people that I thought were close friends that didn't want anything to do with me anymore. Because I chose Jesus. And I allowed God to sanctify me. Or work on sanctifying me. It's a process of sanctification. I'm trying to become more and more like him. Justification, sanctification, and finally, how do we know Jesus? Glorification. Glorification, in verse number 11, it says this, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Basically, like, you know what's coming. Justification, like, forgiveness of sin. Sanctification, becoming more like Christ. Glorification, what's to come? Like, you, you try to know Jesus as much as you possibly can while you're here on earth. And, and, you, and you study his word and you, you worship with his people and you fellowship in the church and you grow in relationship with him. You get to know him more and more and deeper and deeper, but you'll never truly, fully know the amazingness of God until that moment where you're in his presence. Anticipate what's to come, our resurrection, the, 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 the calling up to Christ, the calling up to, to being with Jesus in heaven. my prayer that every single one of us in this room would love Jesus, would love God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. But even more important than that is that every single one of us in this room would know Jesus, not just about him, but would truly know him and have a relationship that is thriving with him. And you've been justified. You've been forgiven of your sins. And you're in the process of becoming more and more like him. Allowing him to, to, to make you righteous. I don't know where everybody in this room stands. I don't know where everybody falls on as far as it comes to knowing Jesus, I know a good chunk of you know Jesus, and great, man. Keep on keeping on. Keep becoming more and more like him. But I'd be lying to myself if I convinced myself that, like, every single person in here knows Jesus. And I want you to understand something, that, that you can leave here tonight knowing without a shadow of a doubt you have a relationship with Jesus. You can leave here tonight knowing without a shadow of a doubt that you have been justified, that you've been forgiven. And you can leave here tonight in the sanctification process because the moment you get saved, the moment you start that relationship with Jesus, that process starts. 
And he, not only does he forget your sins and forgive your sins of past, but he's forgiven your sins of the future. And, and he wants you to, to continue to grow and learn and become more and more like him so that we can experience the glorification one day of being in his presence in heaven. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, I've never been forgiven. I've never, I've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins. I've never accepted that free gift of salvation that he offers. I've never been justified. I've never had my sins forgiven. Man, you can do that tonight. There's not some like magic prayer that you need to say. And there's not like a certain like you have to come to church 20 times and get your punch card stamped and then you can get saved. No, like you can just come to God right now and just say, God, I, I need you in my life. I need you to forgive me of my sins. I need you to save me. I need you to change me. Not only do I need your justification, I need your sanctification so that I can experience the glorification. Is that you?